Hello, everyone. You are listening to Wins and Losses. This is Phil Strunk, the host of the podcast. Always great to be back with you for another edition of Wins and Losses. Yeah, I put the emphasis on losses because I feel like I just had a really big loss this past week. I mean, like, I left feeling really stinking bummed. Let me kind of tell you how, how this happened. At our school, we have four blocks, and each block is 86 minutes. Inside that schedule as well, we have a fifth block, and it's a 35-minute micro block that we call Cougar Focus. Our schedules are divided on A-Day and B-Day, so there are two Cougar Focuses. There's an A-Day Cougar Focus, which is math, and a B-Day Cougar Focus, which is English. Every single teacher in the building has a math and an English Cougar Focus, and they're leveled. So students that are in that are taking the more rigorous math courses or the higher level math courses, they're going to be in Group D. The students that need a lot more support, they're going to be in Group A, and then you can you can kind of fill in between there to figure out what the levels are. One of the one of the, I guess, challenges, difficulties, frustrations that people had was that they felt like it was a lot to have those two extra preps in addition to what they were already doing for their content. So there were some people that potentially had five preps in the school year. We tried to we tried to resolve this by creating actually now it's going to be almost two years ago, well maybe a year and a half ago. We created the Cougar Focus 2.0 committee. And our job was to take what we had and try to resolve it, try to fix it, try to make it so that it was better for students. Because what we found was that as a result of some of the things that were happening in Cougar Focus, students were not really being engaged. Uh, They were not super excited about what was going on. And as a result, we were finding that the effectiveness of having those students for 35 minutes to focus on those skills was being lost. So how do we get those students excited about learning again? We came up with a lot of different ideas. And, you know, just like Jefferson writing the Declaration of Independence, they were, you know, thrown in the trash, thrown in the trash, thrown in the trash. And then we finally thought that we had something that was pretty reasonable. We thought if every single teacher only had one Cougar Focus prep, then maybe, just maybe, actually, probably, they would spend more time working on that one single prep to create more innovative, exciting approaches to learning math and English, just like they do with their own individual content area. We thought, this is brilliant. This can really be a solution. So, like, to give you an example, instead of teaching uh, math on A days and English on B days, I would teach math on A days and math on A days, or I would teach English on A days and I would teach English on B days. Again, we thought... This was going to be really good. This is going to be brilliant. This is going to be how we bring excitement back to this. There are some who said, you know, are, are you thinking about this from the perspective of what's best for students or, or what's best for teachers? I personally am a believer that the two terms do not have to be mutually exclusive. And so I thought if we are able to give these teachers this one single prep, this is an opportunity for them to kind of like take a breath and, and think more deeply about what they're doing rather than, um, you know, and Rather, in some cases, just making copies of worksheets or packets. So I was approached and and asked if this summer I would come in and work with uh, the Cougar Focus 2.0 team to hand schedule the way that we were going to do it. I said, yeah, sure, no problem. For those of you that aren't familiar, I teach in a county where there are more cows than people. So, you know, I thought, how hard can it really be? 
I get in there, and uh, if you're an administrator listening to this, you're probably laughing at that last sentence I said because I found out really how stinking hard it is to schedule those things by hand specifically. I sat down with the assistant principal with the science department chair and myself, and in the morning we were kind of brainstorming. How do we want to do this? What's what's our approach? What's our goal at the end of this? And then we started to divide up teachers. So we said, you know, okay, Phil, you'll teach math on A-Day, B-Day. Um, Donnie will teach English on B-Day and A-Day. And so-and-so will do this and this. And we were able to divide the faculty up perfectly. We had every single different section that needed to be covered, covered by at least one faculty member. And in some cases, we thought we might be even be able to like double up and uh, we might even have too many faculty for this very excited about about that then came the next step we were looking at students and we started putting them into different levels we started to say okay you know this person is in d this person is in c and, and we started to review the data and then we started to figure out how many sections we would need again the number of sections lined up to the number of teachers so we thought this is awesome. This is totally going to work. But then we realized something. While students that were in, let's just say, Math C, would, were ideally in English C as well to create that even split, what we were finding were there were kids in Math B who needed English C and Math D who needed English C. And so very quickly it was determined, and, and as I was putting things together, I started to realize what the students need is not matching up to what we have. And I'm pretty stubborn with this kind of stuff. So I was working away at it for three or four hours. And eventually I looked over to my assistant principal and I said, I don't think this is going to work. And it really broke my heart to say that because this was something that I believed was going to be really, really good. But I knew at the end, we got to do what's right for these students. And a class of 33 is not right whenever I know that we can get classes that were like down to 15 if we did it the way that we had done it previously. So again, I, I looked at her and, and I said, I just, I don't see how this works. I don't see how this is what's best for students. And I, I was pretty flattered whenever my assistant principal said that she appreciated that I used that term, what's best for students, because that's, that's why we're in this game, right? I mean, we as teachers really wanted this change. We, we were really hoping that we could have this change so that uh, it could be a little easier on us to plan. But if it's not best for students, you just can't do it. If, you're, if it's not best for students and you're an educator committed to making sure that your students can do the best they possibly can, you got to do what's best for them. You have to. And so I, I left a little frustrated I was disappointed. I thought I spent a whole day in the middle of summer doing this. Ah! <laughs> but then I started thinking thinking back. And I started thinking back to things like George Koros's Innovator's Mindset. I started thinking back to, to simply having a growth mindset about these things. I thought, you know, this was really frustrating. But at least now I know why in the past we haven't been able to do this. This is really frustrating now, but at least now I know what problems we're going to run into and I can start to plan for those the next time we try to alter it or shift it. You know, Edison, and I'm going to butcher the quote here, talks about 
whenever he was making a light bulb, he didn't find 9,900, or he didn't, he didn't fail 9,999 times. He just found that many times that it didn't work. That's kind of how I'm feeling right now. And it feels like we're at this point where we're just finding ways that it doesn't work. But eventually we are going to find that light bulb moment. Eventually we're going to be able to find and utilize the people that we have in our building to make sure that we are using this time to best meet the needs of students. And for now, we're going to keep brainstorming. We're going to keep working and, and hope that something new will arise and we can find something. But I left it realizing we might have failed here, but is it really failure if you learn? This is a loss. Don't don't mistake me. This is definitely a loss. But now I'm already starting to game plan. And I'm trying to think about how can we take this loss and turn it into a win? How can we take this setback and catapult us forward that's that's the crux of it all isn't it this idea that we don't want to just settle for a loss we as humans always want to try to to move forward and be better and do better and i think that's what we're going to be able to do out of this as well i'm hoping that this reflection of me kind of sharing this loss can encourage some of you who maybe experienced loss at the end of the school year or maybe experiencing a loss this summer to know that you don't have to give up I am certainly not doing that. I know that there has to be another way, and there's going to be a great way that we're going to find, but you better believe it. If it is not what's best for students, I am throwing that right in the trash can. Thank you all so much for listening today to Wins and Losses. Looking forward to seeing you next time. Have a great day. Bye-bye.